Well, I've been teaching on the book of Revelation. You can uh, go to victorychurchraleigh.com. My notes are there. I normally now, when I'm teaching verse by verse, I may go through the notes tonight just the way they are. We'll see. God usually adds things to it as I go, but nonetheless, this is actually lesson 37 on the book of Revelation. We started way back in 2019 prior to the, the uh, COVID-19 thing, and, uh, and we don't do it every Wednesday night. We've had other things. I've taught on other things. We've had other events that have taken place on Wednesday nights as well, but uh, the, we've got 37 of them. This is number 37 that we have taught on the book of Revelation. We're going verse by verse. And the book, book of Revelation is, the, uh, is, uh, is, is, is all about the apocalypse. The word apocalypsis means an unveiling. And the book of Revelation is an unveiling of what is to come. Again, uh, to share uh, some of the things I shared at the beginning. John, the uh, apostle John was at the Isle of Patmos. And he was placed there because he was, uh, the uh, Roman emperors didn't like him. And uh, he was there. Jesus appeared to him in his glorified form and showed him what is to come, just a snippet of what's going to be happening and the scenarios, and, and it really has benefited us, the church. I don't know about you, but, you know, if I'm planning and preparing, for instance, if I'm going to take a two-week vacation or a week's vacation somewhere, I want to know where I'm going every single day, or I've been on lots of uh, short-term missions trips, and we always have schedules, you know, in other countries that don't always go the way you plan. But, you know, you got a schedule, you got a plan, you're looking ahead. And so God's kind of given us a bird's eye view in the book of Revelation of what is to come. And I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. Most people think that we're just going to be slip, sip, sipping on iced tea, you know, swinging in a hammock somewhere, you know, in eternity and not doing anything. But God's got plans for me and you, and they're really exciting plans. And and the thing that has, uh, has uh, born into my heart most to not in tonight's lesson is that, you know, God envisioned when he, created, when he created all that is and then placed us on planet Earth, the last part of his creation was us. He created us in his image and likeness. And the whole, the whole reason God placed everything here is for us because he loves you. And then we messed up his plan and he can't fellowship with us the way that he did Adam and Eve before they sinned. And so, so God had a scheme in mind, a plan in mind, before the foundations of the world. Hebrews, uh, Revelation 13, 8, Jesus is the lamb slain. Before the foundations of the world, before God created the world, and before God created man, in his mind, he knew that for us to love him the way he wanted us to, he had to give us a free will. And if we took that free will and made wrong decisions and separated ourselves from him, he had a plan of redemption already in place before we were ever created. Now, I don't know about you, but that says something to me about what he's like. Isn't that awesome? So if you get off the beaten path and mess up every once in a while, you just need to know this person we call God Almighty loves you intensely and wants to love you intimately. And he will forgive and cleanse your sin. And if you get off the path, if you'll humble yourself, and get, be honest with him. He will forgive you. I don't care where you've been and what you've done. If you'll come to him in a humble way with a trembling lip saying, God, I messed up and I'm sorry. And you'll repent. How many know he'll receive you back? Is that good news? And really, the book of Revelation is, that's really what the book of Revelation is back. He's, he's bringing us back to where, he's bringing the whole universe and the world back to where it was before Adam and Eve ever sinned. So, uh, the book of Revelation, the apocalypsis, the unveiling of things to come. We've been talking about that verse by verse. 
So uh, let me try this. Let me see what time it is. I think I can do this really quickly. You know, the first three cha- uh, chapters of Revelation, we've gone through those. And, and, you know, Jesus appeared to John initially. And then in Revelation chapters, in chapter 1, chapters 2 and 3, he, he, um, he revealed himself and talked to seven churches in the modern-day Turkey, which in the Bible is called Asia Minor, and had, had some really stark things to say to the churches and really reprimanded them in some really huge ways and wanted them to love him with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength, basically, and, and not allow the cultures that they were in to encroach on their personal spiritual life and hinder their walk with God. And many of the churches were allowing that to happen, just like it's happening today. A lot of people are allowing the pressures of our culture and the pressures of circumstance to move them away from the best that God has for them. How many hear me? So, you know, you go through those messages that Jesus gave to in Revelation 2 and 3 to the uh, churches in Revelation. There's some very startling messages, and they're really for us. He wants us to walk with him. He wants us to give us his, he wants us to give him our best, and, and he wants us to love him with a heart passion. And so what ministers to me on a regular basis, I, I need to make sure that, that he has first love status in my life, that I love him now just as much or even more than I did when I first came to know him. And then he doesn't want us to be lukewarm, as, as they said to the church in Laodicea. He wants us to be stirred up. He wants us, to, he wants us to be passionate for him. If we'll do that, then one day we'll stand before Jesus and hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant, right? Revelation chapter 4, God is revealed as the, as the owner and sustainer of all things. He is the creator of all. He is the sustainer of all. He owns everything. He's sitting on a great big throne with angels uh, around him crying holy 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 a rainbow of colors around him god's rainbow was a cool rainbow it's sad that it, what happened to it has happened today but god's the original author of the rainbow which talks about the promises of god to noah right and his his, ro- his throne is surrounded circularly with a rainbow revelation chapter 5 god's seated on the throne and you see in his hand a scroll a first century scroll with uh with seven seals on it, the seals on the scroll denoted, and the number of seals denoted how important the message on the scroll was. And to get to the scroll and read its message, you got to break the seals. So uh, no one was found worthy except a lamb that was standing, a lamb that had been slain, and it's none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. He was the only one worthy to break the seals on the scroll, unroll it, and then bring to pass the contents of the scroll. When a person in first century had a scroll, And when a scroll was given to them, that person that it was given to had to have the authority and ability to open the scroll and bring the contents to pass. It's really cool. So the only person in the universe could bring the contents to pass of the scroll in God's right hand is Jesus Christ himself. That scroll in God's right hand, what did it contain? It contains the rest of the book of Revelation and the scheme that God has to to rid the earth of all corruption, all rebellion, all sin, all wrong, and to, uh, and to judge all of the enemies of God and his kingdom, place them where they need to be for eternity, and to revamp the earth so it is once again the pristine, perfect, pure environment that God originally created us to live in as human beings on earth. Isn't that cool? So that's all on that scroll in God's right hand. Now, if you haven't read it that way and you haven't listened, go back and listen to the stuff. I'm just trying to give you a, a really quick synopsis. 
Revelation chapter 6, six of the seals on the scroll are broken by the Lord Jesus, all kinds of events. The Antichrist appears, uh, war, famine, death, persecution occur. The sixth seal, uh, the sun and moon darken, the stars don't give their light, and there's a tremendous earthquake, very last part of Revelation chapter 6, and that corresponds and parallels eerily with Matthew chapter 24 where Jesus was talking about what would happen before he came back. And the very end of Revelation chapter 6, when the sun, moon, and stars darken, that is a sign that, that Jesus is about to come back in the rapture of the church. Are you excited about that? And so uh, I said all that to say, and you'll find all this in the series, that uh, you know the second coming of Christ is a series of events which includes a number of things. It includes, it includes the revelation of the Antichrist, uh, it includes war, famine, earthquakes, uh, disease, uh, unparalleled persecution. It also includes the rapture of the church. I'm talking the second coming of Christ in general. It includes the rapture of the church. It includes the judgment that God has for his enemies. Uh, it includes what the Bible calls the day of the Lord. Uh, and then it includes Jesus actually physically coming back to planet earth and then defeating his enemies and setting up his 1,000-year reign. So there's a lot there. And uh, Revelation chapter 6, again, the six seals are broken, and the rapture of the church occurs at the very end of that. Revelation 7 is kind of a parenthesis, and God seals 144,000 Jews, 12,000 from each of the 12 tribes of Israel. And they actually, because they don't know Jesus, they won't go in the rapture of the church. They're going to be here uh, during the most intense and terrible time of the seven years that people typically call uh, the tribulation period. It's really uh, a, a time that God uh, uh, showed to Daniel. We call it Daniel's 70th week, a week of seven. It's, it's seven years of time it's that God deals with the Jewish race and God deals with the rebellion of the ages. We typically call that the tribulation time, and God seals uh, some Jews, about 144,000, and they're going to go through the time the, the time that's the most terrible time of those seven years. And the very end of uh, Revelation 7, again, Revelation 7 being a parenthesis before the seventh seal is broken, there's a scene in heaven, and John saw uh, more people than he'd ever seen in his, in his entire life. And it, was, it looks like a, a scene of the raptured church in heaven. And they're worshiping and praising God and really glad to be there. Uh, how, how many in here are going to be in that group? I'm, are you making plans? Revelation chapter 8, the day of the Lord is mentioned a number of times, both Old and New Testament, uh, in, in the prophets as well as uh, the epistles, the letters written to the churches. The day of the Lord is, uh, is, is a time period where the judgment of God falls on unbelievers and on Satan and his kingdom and those that are working with him. The day of the Lord, really it looks like time frames, about two years or so, the very end of that seven-year period that we've talked about. All of this is in the notes. All of this is in the past. All of this is online. My notes are online. I'm just trying to give you a real synopsis. Since we've had two years of this and we're winding up, I take a little bit of time tonight. Nonetheless, uh, Revelation chapter 8, verse 1, there's silence in heaven for 30 minutes. The seventh seal on the scroll in God's right hand is opened up. That begins what the Bible terms the day of the Lord. It was a specific period within that seven-year period. And it's a hellacious time. I, it's, to describe it, it, would, it, it is really hard and incredible. 
Revelation chapters 8 and Revelation chapters 9, chapter 9, talk about meteorites, evidently, that fall from the sky, hit the earth, pollute the water, change the environment, and make it really, really hard to live on earth. Up to uh, almost a half of the people on earth perish. Now, that's a sobering thought. The good news is, if you know Jesus, you'll be raptured before that time, and you won't be here. So the movies that people are making, you know, asteroids hitting the earth, I've seen a few of them, you know, uh, where awful things are happening. If you know Jesus, you get to escape that part. Would you like to do that? If you don't know Jesus and you just like some hellacious stuff, hang around because it'll be here. So I don't encourage it. We talked about this in great detail, verse by verse, Revelations 8 and 9. Revelation 10 is a parenthesis. And in that parenthesis, again, it looks like a huge angel had one foot on land, one foot on the water, and, uh, and, and, and I believe it was the Lord Jesus Christ. And he had a scroll to give to John, and it was things that were to come, and it was about the cleansing of the earth, and it was about the witnesses that will witness to the Lord Jesus just before he comes back in his second coming. Revelation chapter 11, there are two Old Testament witnesses that appear in Jerusalem. Freaks everybody out, the whole world sees them. They get so angry with them that they kill them. And then they're resurrected from the dead and it freaks everybody out. And then Revelation eleven fifteen, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord in Christ and then he reigns forever and ever. That is the second coming of Christ. That, that pretty much wraps up. That wraps up the seven years that God showed Daniel. This is going over some of your heads. But I tell, talk about this in detail in the first few lessons of the book of Revelation. And they're all online. The audio and video are there as well as the notes. Then in chapter 12, there's another parenthesis. And it's just talking about the challenge uh, uh, the, the, the ongoing challenge between the kingdom of God and the dark kingdom with Satan and how he's persecuted God's people both Old Testament, New Testament tried to hinder the purposes and plans of God persecuted the church, persecuted the Lord Jesus and it just kind of capsulizes the challenges uh, that, that we face as believers every single day really Revelation 13 and 14 we've covered all this verse by verse really talks about the Antichrist and what it looks like when he reigns. And really, Revelation 13 to 14, when the Antichrist appears, uh, there's going to be a covenant cut with Israel. And you need to be looking for this. We don't know exactly what this is going to be like. I did find it insightful this past week. I read an article about Erdogan meeting with a new uh, president of Israel, and uh, he's just checking him out. Something's going to happen, and some Erdogan is the president of Turkey. And uh, something's going to happen and there's going to be an agreement between one of the nations in the Middle East, an Islamic nation more than likely, and Israel, which will foment an agreement with many of the Islamic nations in the Middle East. And it'll be a, some kind of a peace agreement. Uh, and uh, and it, we're really, really close to that. We don't know exactly what kind of agreement it it is. I've talked about that in detail in the past. Nonetheless, we're close to that. Once that happens, and uh, we may or it may be very apparent, it may not be that apparent. That's why you just need to be praying, looking, and listening, and seeking. Because once that happens, seven years. You get that? And then once that happens, the first three and a half of those years, the Antichrist is trying to be nice to Israel and, and the church, but then he's going to turn. And, and desecrate a rebuilt Jewish temple. And then the second part of that three and a half year uh, or that seven year period, the last three and a half year period will be just 
hell on wheels. I don't know how to describe how awful it will be. But Revelation 13 and 14 talk about the intense persecution that comes both to Christians and to Jews, primarily because we believe in a moral order to life. Did you notice that the moral order of life is being messed up right now? Oh, totally. Did you know that's a precursor for for the tribulation time that people talk about and the revelation of the Antichrist in the Middle East? Be aware, it's coming. And then, you know, nobody can buy or sell or do anything without a mark on their forehead. Or, you know, we don't know what that looks like, but there's some scary things happening right now that are perhaps precursors of things that are to come. Do you hear me? So, friends, things are happening quickly. Revelation 13 and 14 talk about the Antichrist, how ruthless he will be. Revelation 15, there's one last pattern of judgments that come, and they are the bold judgments. So you got seal judgments, trumpet judgments, Revelations 8 and 9, and then seal judgments. Those seal judgments last less than 30 days. And, uh, and they, are, they come to completely cleanse the earth of all the fi- vileness, all the wrong, all the sin, and, uh, and to put God's enemies in their place. So those, those uh, uh, bold judgments come, Revelation 16, Revelation 15 sets it up. Revelation 17, God judges all of the heathen religions of all time that started at the Tower of Babel. And he judges them and puts them in their place. And then the false economic and political system that has worked with false religions. Uh, it's called Babylon the Great is Fallen, Revelation 18. Jesus, they hit the dirt. Jesus whips them, and they're defeated during those uh, bold judgments. Then the very last battle, Revelation 19, is the battle of Armageddon where the, where the uh, armies of the Antichrist and those that help him surround Jerusalem, uh, surround the beloved city, try to wipe them out in the, in the uh, plain of Medigo. We call it the battle of Armageddon, the very last battle. And we're going to be with Jesus and whip the Antichrist tail, bottom line. And uh, then Revelation chapter 20, um, the Satan, uh, the Antichrist, the false prophet that works with him are all thrown in the lake of fire. And, uh, and then uh, the very end, very middle of Revelation 20, Satan is let loose out of, that, out of that pit, the millennial reign of Christ happens in Revelation 20. He reigns on earth for a thousand years. And then we're with him in glorified bodies as Christians. And then there's a select group of people that go through the seven years of tribulation in, in human bodies like we have right now. And they have babies and, you know, they have families. It kind of freaks people out, but that's, that's what the Bible says. And then those people who didn't know the Lord during the millennial reign of Christ, the thousand-year reign of Christ, um, they're going to be tempted again the way we are today. They're, there's not much temptation during that thousand-year time that Jesus rules, and then Satan's led up out of this pity's end for a thousand years. He tempts those that have never been tempted and somehow wins a bunch of them over, and they try to whip Jesus again in Jerusalem. There's, how stupid is the devil? If you're walking with the devil, you're dumb as dirt. I'm just telling you, he is going to be whipped, not once but twice, and then his eventual end, he's thrown into the lake of fire. Revelation, the end of Revelation 20, again, there's the great white throne judgment where all of the unbelievers of all ages, all of the millions of people who leave this life without Christ, they will have an opportunity. They're trusting in their good works and God's love to keep them out of hell when they never accepted God's antidote for sin. His name is Jesus Christ. Jesus came as a man, and Jesus bore our sins. 
in his own body on the cross so that we could be free. He bore our sin penalty. He went to hell for us. He conquered death, hell, and the grave for us, was raised from the dead, got back in a glorified human body and made everything available to us that Adam had before he sinned. Is that good news? <laughs> but Revelation 20, verse 11 through 15, it's really a sad time when you see all of the people who trusted their own works. And God says, one at a time, tell me about yourself. What would you do? And, and nothing they, they have done gives them clearance to be able to enter into heaven. Their names are not written in this book in heaven called the Lamb's Book of Life. And they're cast into the lake of fire. And in Revelation chapter 20, verse 1, there's a new heavens and a new earth. The, the earth is revamped. It's autoclaved. All of the sin contaminants are removed. And the earth is prepared for eternity. And everything that has been all of the things that we know uh, about this planet uh, change with the new heavens and the new earth. And then Revelation chapter 21 comes, and this talks about God dwelling with us for eternity, and that's where we are. So here's the first. Now, just, I hadn't even gotten my notes yet. So Jesus has returned. The final battle has been won. God's enemies have been subdued. This is the first paragraph. Satan and all personalities that followed him are in their eternal home, the lake of fire. Every unredeemed human has been judged. Every eternal sentence carried out. Those without Christ are in the lake of fire. Believers are in their glorified bodies. And now the earth is being transformed into an eternal home for those God created to fellowship with him and be his friends for eternity. So, Again, there, there's a mystery to the future of the earth. We know a little bit about it. First Corinthians 2, 9, no eye has seen, nor ear has, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. What we do know is there's an autoclaving of the earth, a cleansing of all of the contaminants and the curse that was placed on the earth when Adam and Eve uh, were here. And God prepares the earth to be the eternal home for us. And the coolest thing is what God wanted in the beginning happens at the very end. And it is God himself comes and lives with us. I, I, I don't know about you. That does something to me inside. To think that the God of the universe who actually lives outside of his creation comes into his creation and just wants to be with you. I don't know how to talk about that. I, it freaks me out and it makes me think, what kind of person are you, God, that you're, you're so amazing, so huge, you created the universe, not just the earth and me, but you want to talk to me. I don't know about you, that does something to my heart and it makes me want to pour it out to him. The last time that caught us up, Last time we looked at the first eight verses of Revelation 21 in Lesson 36. Here we are, Lesson 37. Let me just read them. And then tonight we're going to talk about the New Jerusalem. Now I saw a new heaven and new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. There was no more sea. The land is only land on earth. All the water probably evaporates back up and creates, as I mentioned, a hyperbaric chamber for the earth. Uh, for the, a quality of life eternally here that was here prior to um, uh, Adam and Eve's sin. And uh, anyway, we talked about that in detail. I can't go there anymore tonight. Uh, verse 2, then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down 
out of heaven from God. It's already there, y'all. Prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death, no sorrow, no crying. Uh, There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said to me, Write, these words are true and faithful. And he said to me, It's done. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give of the fountain of the water of life freely to him who thirsts. He who overcomes shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the cowardly, the unbelieving, the abominable, the murderers, sexually immoral, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now, we went into detail. We looked verse by verse last time at those first verses there. Then verse 9, here we are. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me, saying, Come and I will show you the bride, the lamb's wife. Now, Revelation 15, 16 talks about the bowl or labor judgments, and there were seven angels. Each one had one judgment that was to cleanse the earth. And one of these angels came up to John and said, Come here. And he's one of them that that administered one of those last seven judgments, which took, again, less than 30 days to cleanse the earth the final time. And he comes and says, I want to show you the bride, the lamb's lamb's wife. Now, um, (laughs) the city that we're going to live in in eternity is called the bride. It's called the lamb's wife. And, you know, you've heard about we are the bride of Christ. Actually, the bride of Christ is the new Jerusalem. You say, well, why does it use that language? Because a husband that's smart and loving (laughs) and acting the way he's supposed to act, his wife is a cared for woman. Yes or no? If you got us, I'm sorry, but if you've had a sorry marriage and your husband hadn't loved you, ladies, or husband, you messing with your wife and messing around, it ain't talking about you. No, God created marriage to be the closest of human relationships. God created a marriage to be a relationship of care where a husband puts himself out for his wife. He creates an environment that she can enjoy. Number one, he creates an emotional environment of acceptance and love where she feels safe, right? Uh, Then he creates a mental environment where she can say anything that she needs to say and know that she won't be threatened, etc. Then he creates a physical environment of, of, uh, of happiness and joy. It doesn't have to be perfect, but that's, that's what a husband is supposed to do. Yes or no? So when God calls us, the, the, actually the new Jerusalem, where we're going to live, the bride of Christ, what's he saying? These are the people that God cares for intimately. And he will watch over you all the time and make sure your every need and every desire is taken care of. Now, who wouldn't want to be in that kind of environment? Do you want to be there? 
well, here we are. Then one of the seven angels who had the seven bowls filled with the seven last plagues came to me and talked with me saying, come, I'll show you the bride, the lamb's wife. So again, uh, this angel, now it's really strange, and I don't want to cover this too much, but, in, uh, but one of these seven angels also came in, in Revelation 17 and said, John, I want to show you this. And that angel in Revelation 17 showed him, showed him, uh, it's called the great harlot, which was the false religious system. He said, John, look at the false religious system that has hoodwinked the whole world for, for eons of time. Look at it. And then that same angel said, John, I want you to, I want you to see this. Uh, look at the false economic system. And, and, and look, at the, uh, uh, look at the way the world has been run for all of these generations of time. All of this is being judged, John. And then one of those angels in Revelation 21 says, John, now come, I want you to see this. Contrast what happened to the world system with what happens to the people of God. And that angel shows him the bride, the lamb's wife. And so I've got the uh, verses in the scripture, in in the notes that I'm not going to take time to read there in Revelation 17. Uh, the harlot, which is the false religious system of Revelation 17, is totally destroyed. Babylon the Great, which is the economic system and, and, and the system of buying and selling goods and such that has gone on for successive eons of time prior to us, is all defeated. Contrast that. Contrast that to the bride, the lamb's wife. And, and the, the angel was saying, look what God's plan for the people that have chosen to love him. Again, bride is a metaphor it's from my notes for the closeness we will enjoy with Jesus and the Father in eternity. Just as a husband cares for, protects, meets the needs of his wife in every way. So God goes out of his way to create an environment of honor for you. Is that awesome? Now, are you excited about going there? See, that's the reason you don't need to be afraid to die if you're a believer. We don't need to be afraid of death because one day we get a glorified body. We don't need to wonder what's going to happen in eternity. He's always, already shown us. He's going to live with us in eternity. Watch this, verse 10. And he carried me away in the spirit, Revelation 21.10, to a great and high mountain and showed me the great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God. Her light was like a most precious stone like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. Jasper has all kinds of colors, red and brown and green and yellow, and just hues of perfection. And uh, anyway, this city had evidently existed in heaven, uh, who knows how long, maybe, maybe from eternity past. It's a place where God's going to live with his people, but the angel showed him it coming out of heaven from God. Now, this is the same city Ezekiel saw this over 2,500 years ago. Ezekiel 40, verse 2, in the visions of God, he took me into the land of Israel and set me on a very high mountain. On it toward the south was something like the structure of a city. (laughs) Ezekiel, 2,500 years ago, saw the new Jerusalem. It was in heaven and he saw it. It's incredible. So it existed there. Then this, uh, this new Jerusalem, see, it's the abode of, of, of the people of God that are in the kingdom of God for eternity. It's all spoken, also spoken of 
And you've read this many times and didn't realize perhaps what you were reading. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22, this is New Living Translation. No, you have come to Mount Zion. Everybody say Mount Zion. Now see, that's another term for this new Jerusalem, this city where the people of God will live in eternity, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gatherings. So we we learn a little bit more about this this, this bride of Christ, this new Jerusalem. There, there are lots of angels there to help you. Need another sweet tea? I don't know. <laughs> Need some more grapes? Right, whatever. Uh, you have come to an assembly of God's firstborn children whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself who is the judge over all things. You've come to the spirits of righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. Isn't it cool that when you leave your body, Jesus has made you perfect by his grace? Is that good? So, so, so just think all of the temptations you have. Everybody's got your Achilles heel. Every believer has, has areas of life where Satan tempts you more than others. Those things will be gone. Is that awesome? No temptation, no mess, no struggle, just fun. Is that good? And so he goes on to say, you have come, verse 24, to Jesus, the one who mediates the new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood which speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Be careful that you do not refuse to listen to the one who is speaking. For the people of Israel did not escape when they refused to listen to Moses, the earthly messenger. We will certainly not escape if we reject the one who speaks from heaven. When God spoke from Mount Sinai, his voice shook the earth. But now he makes another promise. Once again, I will not only shake the earth, but the heavens also, this means that all of creation will be shaken and removed so that only unshakable things will remain. Revelation uh, chapter 21, the new heavens and new earth, when the earth is autoclaved and all of the bad stuff is removed. That's what he's talking about right there. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. All the old order of things with the fallen creation is removed from the earth and it's a new heavens the atmospheric heavens is new. We talked about this in detail. If you weren't here, go listen to it. It's worth listening to. I got excited preaching it. I might go listen to it again myself. And so he goes on to say, since we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable, let us be thankful and please God by worshiping him with holy fear and awe. For our God is a devouring fire. And so he goes on to say here, he's talking about the new Jerusalem descending from God out of heaven Having the glory of God, verse 11, her light was like a most precious stone, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal, verse 11, clear as crystal, a jasper stone. Now, the most prominent feature of the new heavens is, is that, that it's, 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 it's lit with the presence of God. Uh, Shekinah is an Old Testament word speaking of the manifest presence of God. You know, the presence of God when they are dedicated Solomon's temple in Second Chronicles uh, 5, um, they begin to worship the Lord and, and a mist, a cloud appeared. And, and the priests couldn't stand up. And, and those playing the trumpets and the instruments, they, they fell down on the ground because the presence came. Only a few times in my life, and they're etched in my mind for the rest of my life, maybe for eternity, I've had the, that presence come into, in, into a room where I was. And I've had it a few times, and I said, God, I, 
I did one time. It was so strong. I thought it was going to kill me. I said, God, I can't stand this. I, I shook. Everything in me, every cell of me shook. I couldn't stand it. And I said, God, turn. I can't do this. Help me. I've only had that happen a couple of times, but it shocked me. That Shekinah presence is going to be, it's a pure presence. So if you're not pure, you can't get in it. But see, we have glorified bodies in heaven. And we're nothing like we are here or there. And you can maintain and bear the presence of God all the time. Isn't that awesome? And so it's, the city has no, no need for the sun to light it, the glory of God with these transparent hues light the city. Uh, verse 12 of Revelation 21. Everybody okay? Also, she had a great high wall with 12 gates and 12 angels at the gates and names written on them, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel, three gates on the east, three gates on the north, three gates on the south, three gates on the west. And so their gates surrounding this city, it has, it has high walls. So the great and high walls, uh, just let it stick out. You got to understand in eternity, this may sound strange to you. In eternity, there are going to be nations, just like there are now. And in eternity, two groups of people. There'll be believers in glorified bodies that were raptured. You get it? And so you can travel at the speed of thought. And maybe God will use us in other parts of the universe because maybe, maybe he'll have some other projects going on in another solar system. You ever think like that? It's really crazy, right? Uh, but then there's also going to be a natural race. Listen to this. A natural race of human beings that come out of the seven-year tribulation that enter into the thousand-year reign of Christ, that somehow make it through the autoclaving of the earth with the new heavens and new earth, Revelation 21.1, who will be on earth during the time that I'm speaking of now. We have now entered into eternity. And so what God pre originally planned for there to be God the Father and his family of people will be here in eternity. And there will be natural people. Now this may sound crazy to you, but it's biblical. There'll be natural people having babies in eternity just like there are now. You won't be part of that. You'll have a glorified body. I'm not sure I'll be married to Susan. I do hope God lets me see Susan in heaven. But to see, you won't have those kind of thought patterns in heaven. It's really going to be an amazing time. Are you excited about this? So anyway, there was a big wall, you know, so it would stick out. And then with 12 gates, the 12... Angels at the gates and names written on the gates, which are the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel and the three gates on all four sides of the building uh, of the city, which, uh, which you know, uh, um, equals 12. And uh, why are there gates on all four sides of the, of the New Jerusalem? That's really saying that every tribe, tongue, race, people group can go to heaven. God is, doesn't show favorites. Red, yellow, black, and white, all are precious in His sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. They're going to be right there. So all this race stuff that people are trying to stir up, I'm going to tell you, it should not be a part of the kingdom of God. Yes or no? We should magnify Jesus and who we are in Christ and nothing else. It's been that way. I've been in Jesus 45 years. And it's appalling to me that the devil is trying to stir this mess up in our nation again. How do we counteract that? 
talk about who we are in Jesus. We're all one in him. There's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, bond nor free. We're all one in Christ Jesus. Is that true? Anyway, that's another subject for another day. I want you to notice one thing here. Uh, Revelation 5, just what I said. Revelation 5, 9 and 10. They sang a new song. You're worthy to take the scroll open its seals. For you were slain and redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe, tongue, people, nation, and have made us kings and priests to our God and will reign on the earth. So everybody's welcome in heaven and those gates all around the city show that. There are 12 gates going into the, the new Jerusalem. Now, now, this is interesting to me. Watch this. The number 12, uh, you, you get it by multiplying 3 times 4. 3 is, is the biblical number for divinity. 4 is the big number for earthly things, the earth. So God and man put together. God and humanity fellowshipping together. That number 12 is quite significant. So there were 12 tribes to Israel. There are 12 apostles of the Lamb. There are 12 gates, three on each side of, of the of the four sides of the New Jerusalem. Kind of interesting, isn't it? So, so God's ruling over everybody. His loving rule is there. So again, on the, uh, on the gates, there, uh, uh, the names of the 12 tribes of, of Israel are written there, showing that, God, uh, that the roots of God's glorified people are with, with Abraham. And how many know Genesis 12, 3, God said to Abram later called his name Abraham. I will bless those who bless you, curse those who, who curse you. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. And so there's a remembrance of God's, of God's promises to Abraham in the new Jerusalem by, by putting the, the names of the 12 tribes of Israel on the gates that go into the city. Then verse 14, now the walls of the city had 12 foundations and on them were the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. So that's really interesting, isn't it? So, so why do you got, you, you got the names of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel on the gates that go into the city, and then there's 12 foundations to the city, and, and the names of the, of the apostles are the, on the foundations to the city. God's, God's marrying the Old and the New Testament together, showing you there's rhyme and reason to everything He's done to redeem us. And, and listen to this, Ephesians 2.19 through 22, just listen to this as New King James. Now, there, therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners, but your fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The New Jerusalem, their names are going to be on the foundation. There's 12 layers to the foundation. Isn't that crazy? You read it all the time. Here it is. Jesus Christ himself the, being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building being fitted together grows up into a holy temple in the Lord in whom you're also built together for a dwelling place of God in the spirit. That whole new Jerusalem, that is a temple of God. That's a place where God dwells. And apostles and prophets and then the Old Testament uh, 12 tribes the descendants of Abraham, they formed the, the gates 
and the foundation. Isn't that cool? So he just marries it all together here. Verse 15, Revelation 21. Everybody okay? Just about done. And he who talked with me had a gold reed to measure the city, its gates and its walls. The city is laid out in a square. Its length is as great as its breadth. And he measured the city with the reed, 12,000 furlongs. This is New King James. Its, um, uh, its length, breadth, and height are equal. Verse 17, then he measured its walls, 144 cubits, according to the measure of a man, that is, of an angel. And so gives you the dimensions of the city here. Uh, according to who you read after, most Bible theologians say this is a city that's 1,500 miles wide, 1,500 miles deep, 1,500 miles high. goes into the stratosphere. It's crazy. Um, it's a cube. Uh, and, and the glory of God is in this city. It, it contains the Shekinah glory of God that appeared, watch this, that appeared in the Holy of Holies. You remember uh, the tabernacle in the wilderness as the Israelites wandered around for 40 years? They had a tent called a tabernacle. God told Moses to erect it. Very, very back part of that tent, there was a cordoned off place, a, a big, a big uh, um, uh, wall of, of, of material was placed there. And it's called the holiest of all or the holy of holies. And that's where a cloud would appear uh, during the day and then a pillar of fire at night. So the Israelites are camped around the tabernacle at night. And when they camped all 12 tribes, if you look at a picture of it, they made the sign of the cross. Isn't that crazy? Around the tabernacle. Did you know that? Go search it out. It's real interesting. And, and then during the day, when they were camping out, they'd look right in the middle and right over the Holy of Holies was a cloud. It was the presence of God. And then at night, they're sleeping. They wake up. What time is it? They look outside, and there's a pillar of fire hovering over the Holy of Holies. Now, see, in the New Jerusalem, oh, my goodness, that presence is going to be inside that place, 1,500-mile place. It's just like the Holy of Holies. It's an eternal Holy of Holies. And you can go there. Old Testament, only the priest could go in the Holy of Holies. And he could only go once a year. And then only after slaying some animals and putting on all kind of crazy looking clothes. And uh, washing himself really good. And then he'd walk in kind of scared like, eh, because he wasn't redeemed yet. But you get to live in that presence all the time. Because God, when you get in the rapture of the church, when, when Jesus changes us at the rapture, guess what? He gives you a body that can, that can sustain being in the glory of God at all times. Isn't that awesome? So I go back to that time. In fact, uh, I was in the guy's house, and we were praying, and that presence came in the room. I, I, I can't describe it. I couldn't stand it. And I've had a couple of other times, one time in a Bible school class, another time, uh, one, one other time, that presence came. I can't describe, you can't stand it. There's, you can't. It's too pure. It's too, I, I can't, I don't have human words. But see, when God gives you a new body, you can handle it. Because he wants you to be with him. Is that cool? I don't know about you. You might be freaked out about all this. I don't know, but I'm kind of excited about it. Now watch this, I'm about done. The walls of this city are 200 feet thick. You know how far much, now, now you know, we got about, I think somewhere around 80 feet between wall to wall here, maybe a little bit more. 
So, so, so two and a half times the width of this auditorium. That's how wide the city walls are in the New Jerusalem. That's incredible, isn't it? Wow. That's quite a builder, I would say, would you? Huh? You're going you're gonna to live there for eternity, y'all. Then verse 18, Revelation 21. This city's just overwhelming in size and beauty. The construction of its walls was of jasper. The city was pure gold, like clear glass. The foundations of the walls of the city were adorned with all kinds of precious stones. The first foundation was jasper. Jasper is red, brown, yellow, green. It's a mixture. Uh, the second, sapphire, which is blue. The third, uh, um, chalcedony, which is blue with stripes of other colors. The fourth is emerald, which is green. The fifth is sardonyx, which is red and white. The sixth is sardius, which is ruby red. The seventh, chrysolite, which is golden. The eighth is beryl, sea green. The ninth, topaz, which is a transparent yellow green. The tenth, chrysophrase, green. The eleventh, jacinth, which is violet. And then twelfth is amethyst, which is purple. So, you know, women, God likes color. Isn't that awesome? So see, that's why I love for Susan to decorate our house because, you know, God decorates the city you're going to live in. It's the prettiest thing you've ever seen. I can tell you that. The 12 gates were 12 pearls. Each individual gate was one pearl. First thing I think, that's a big old oyster, man. And the street of the city was pure gold like transparent glass. So again, uh, the walls gleaming, pure gold, you know, streets, gold. Uh, precious gems and and then the the foundations made out of precious gems I won't this is in the notes I'll just mention it go on you know on the on the 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 high priest in the Old Testament they wore a breastplate with with all kinds of precious jewels one for each of the 12 tribes of the children of Israel isn't it crazy that God colored the foundations of the new Jerusalem with the same colors that were on the breastplates of the high priests you just got to understand something. There's rhyme and reason to everything you read in the Bible. It may seem boring to read some of these Old Testament things, and it may, be, may seem to you to be insignificant and unnecessary, but it all ties together, showing you we have an amazing God who has woven himself into the intricacies of human life. Did you hear me? It's just amazing when you read it. I've got a lot of comments there. I've got some comments in the notes that I'm not going to take time to read for sake of time. I'm just about done. Here's the last few verses, Revelation 21, 22 through 27. But I, now he's talking about the New Jerusalem where we're going to live for eternity. But I saw no temple in it, for the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. You know, there's no need for a church building there. The whole place is a place where God is worshipped. He said the city has no need of the sun or of the moon to shine in it, for the glory of God illuminates it. The Lamb is its light, and the nations of those who are saved shall walk in its light, and the kings of the earth bring their glory and honor into it. Now that lets you know that there are going to be other nations with kings in eternity on a new earth. So you've probably never thought about it, but... You know, it's just amazing what God has planned for our future. It says, its gates shall not be shut at all by day. There shall be no night there. And, there shall, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. See, it talks about nations again. But there shall by no means enter it anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who were written 
And this is the only time in Scripture that it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Otherwise, it's the Book of Life. So how many want your name in that book? You won't be getting in there without your name being in that book. And your name's only written in that book by being born again. So you want to make sure you are before you leave tonight. Um, Listen to the prophet Isaiah talking about this time we just mentioned from Revelation 21, the new heavens, the new earth, and then the new Jerusalem. Listen to Isaiah 60, and we'll end with this. Violence will disappear from your land. This is Isaiah 60, verse 18. The desolation and destruction of war will end. The Old Testament prophet would be speaking, and suddenly he's not where he is. He's thousands of years in advance of where he is. And he's saying things by the Holy Spirit. Salvation will surround you like city walls, the New Jerusalem. And praise will be on the lips of all who enter there. No longer will you need the sun to shine by day, nor the moon to give its light by night, for the Lord your God will be your everlasting light, and your God will be your glory. That's what John saw in Revelation 21. Isn't that interesting? Your sun will never set, your moon will not go down, for the Lord will be your everlasting light. Your days of mourning will come to an end. All your people will be righteous. They will possess their land forever, for I will plant them there with my own hands. In order to bring myself glory, the smallest family will become a thousand people. The tiniest group will become a mighty nation. At the right time, I, the Lord, will make it happen. He's talking about eternity. Isn't that awesome? And he showed that to Isaiah. Then Haggai, too, this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations. And the treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. That shaking, perhaps he's talking about all of those those trumpet judgments, those bold judgments that that rid the earth of all of its contaminants. And and perhaps he's talking about the new heavens and the new earth mentioned there in Revelation 21.1 when the earth is autoclaved and the curses removed from the earth and everything is, is, is back to the way it was in a pristine way before Adam and Eve sinned. And he, says, and he says, I will fill this place with glory, says the Lord, Lord of heaven's armies. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. The future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord. And in this, this place I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. So this, this is your destiny. So I, I don't know about you, if, if God's went to all of this trouble uh, to create uh, a plan where this whole planet can be rid of all the contamination and if he's devised a plan where you and I can have a brand new body that can sustain being in his presence in an unending way if he's planned for eternity a city where you're going to live in eternity he's planned all of this for us in the future do you not think he'll take care of us right now huh do you think he's not aware of what's happening right now as the earth transitions as I mentioned Sunday morning from a time of the grace of God, you know, being at the forefront to a time where we're slowly moving towards a time of judgment on the earth where all God's enemies are judged. Do you think God doesn't know we're here? Does he think he doesn't know what we need? Do you think he doesn't know that we're concerned about our lifestyle, how we're going to make it? Uh, Don't you know he's got a plan for us right now? If he's planned that for us in our future, don't you think he'll take care of us now? That's the reason he said to his disciples, man, these little birds that are flying around, they don't think about where their food's coming from. My heavenly Father feeds them. 
He says these, these, the, these, uh, these flowers in the field, they're beautiful. They're dressed in a beautiful way. If God clothes the, gra- the, the flowers, if God takes care of the birds, is he not going to take care of you? So what we need to rid ourselves of is the tendency to worry about what's going to happen. God's got us. The only thing we need to do is, number one, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to us.